Go to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Thank you for being a great church. Um, it would surprise me if you're here tonight and you don't know what happened to my dad, but in case you didn't, um, our senior pastor Friday evening had a massive heart attack and uh, had to go into emergency surgery Saturday um, with what ended up being, uh, I believe, a quintuple bypass. And uh, now, just current, as current as today, uh, each day he keeps improving. Uh, He gets stronger in the healing process. He's got his appetite back, which has really helped. Um, and uh, a couple major things to, major, well, yeah, the whole thing's major, but a couple important things uh, is that his body is now having to, like, r- regulate again, find a new normal, and so there's a few numbers that, that need to stabilize, namely his blood pressure and his blood sugar, and so if you're Looking for specific things to target in prayer. Those those are two specific things uh, that we want to see that regulate uh, and him him be able his body be able to to go through this healing process. That's a, a big milestone. Uh, and then also uh, he still has the drainage tubes after surgery still in, and we want to see those out. That uh, that and being able to walk more. He is walking. Uh, and being able to take steps, that's very encouraging to the doctors. Uh, but getting those things out and him being able to walk more will be major milestones to be able to get out of the hospital. So that's where we're at, uh, just in the natural. Um, but I wanted to take as quick of an opportunity to just get to be with you, um, not just give you an update, but also... Um, just maybe make some sense about some things and let you know that uh, we are deeply grateful as a family um, that for your prayers and for being a, a, a supportive church, a church that prays um, as a church and as a family. <clears throat> we're, we're not strangers to trials and, and suffering and pain. And as I've said before, my parents have lived and led on the front lines for, you know, 35 years. And when, <clears throat> when you're on the front lines of spiritual warfare, you, you, are the, the, you are the first point of contact of the darkness and the enemy. And so... They're, they're not strangers. My parents are not strangers to spiritual warfare. Um, it's not new for the enemy to go after them. But even us as a family, it is uh, a part, it is a process to, to have in an 18-month period my son and my father in an ICU, life and death situations. And uh, through that process, maybe just Full disclosure, I know where I'm going to start. I don't know what's after that of whatever I'm going to say. So just so you know. Uh, And I'm also not going to blame the Holy Spirit if I say something just crazy or off the wall. But but there are things that uh, that I want to say and share and encourage you and build up your faith. Um, because even though we're not strangers to this, doesn't mean that, you know, we don't have to fight fear or um, discouragement or, as I said, when we were going through the process with my son, and it's still appropriate in this situation, is you can't, you can't always microwave a miracle. Um, God is good, and that's, that's not what's in question. And his promises are sure. But the route between the present moment and the fulfillment of his promises is completely in his hands. And we have to work in partnership with him. We don't control it. 
And so sometimes things happen instantaneously. And sometimes there's a longer process that we are learning something deeper that an instantaneous miracle might not show us. Um, especially in an, in an age of uh, modern technology, modern medicine, uh, we think that we can control life and make it easy and comfortable. And it is a deception. That's a lie. Don't believe it. I'm not saying that desiring some comfort in life is a bad thing. Uh, you shouldn't pursue discomfort always. But, uh, but you, can't, you can't live under this lie that you can control everything. And that you can avoid suffering. You can avoid trials in life. Um, it's just not going to happen. Uh, whether you serve the Lord or you serve the devil himself, there's going to have some really bad things happen in your life eventually. Um, it's, a, it's a part of living in a post-Genesis 3 world. Living in between, we get, we get the... We, so we're in between Genesis 3, the fall... And Revelation 21 and 22, resurrection and new creation. Now, we get the benefit in this storyline of living after the cross and after resurrection to where we can get a clearer picture of our future in Jesus. But as long as we are before resurrection and new creation, there are certain elements of a broken and fallen world that being human makes us subject to. And you can't serve the Lord and follow Jesus and think that by doing that, now you are exempt from suffering and trials. Um, And especially if you have arranged your life in following Jesus in such a way that you are doing damage to the kingdom of darkness you become a bigger target for the enemy. And you cannot control your life in such a way to, to completely avoid the brokenness and darkness of this world. And right now, it's like our world is just in this upheaval. Principalities and powers are clashing all around us. And it's nothing new, y'all. Okay, this is nothing new. What's going on in the national scene, that's nothing new. It's just the latest version since the Tower of Babel, pretty much. It's just the latest version of principalities and powers clashing. And we as the people of God are learning how to live faithfully to King Jesus in the midst of these principalities and powers and understanding our unique role in how we bring heaven to earth. And so, don't think it's strange when something happens to you. Um, And this is why it's critical that you learn this. You learn your word. Because if you're going to know how to navigate the strange, confusing, broken world that we live in, I don't know how you're going to do it without knowing your word and how it points to Jesus. And so let me read just a little bit from uh, the letter to the Hebrews, Hebrews 10, and just maybe encourage you a little bit. I might discourage you for just a tad bit, like I'm doing right now, telling you like, hey, guys, guess what? Life's hard. Um, But my goal is to point you to Jesus before we're done. Hebrews 10, 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Verse 37, 4, and then he quotes from the Old Testament. Yet a little while, and the coming one will come 
and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Verse 39. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Therefore, don't throw away your confidence. It has a reward. Confidence. Christians are strange people. I don't know if you've met any. Um, But then again, humans are strange in general. (laughs) Uh, We're kind of weird. And as people are learning and growing, we're all at different stages in our maturity into Christ-likeness and our relationship with God and what that's doing and transforming us. But some people have some mistaken ideas about what faith is and what confidence is. Um, Our world is full of arrogance. It's It's just arrogance. And it's very... If there's anything that stenches in God's nostril, it's pride. It is. It is It is the original sin to try to seize control of life for myself and be my own God. But sometimes when we are learning this thing called faith, um, we, we, we can mistake it for an arrogance. An arrogance that thinks we are above things. We're bigger than that. We're, we're beyond that. And that men and women of faith, like, they just kind of just glide over the earth. You know, that they're, they're just these super powerful people. And I hope to spend my life to help people see that that's not, that's not faith. Um, even if it seems like your hero in faith just doesn't seem to ever be touched by the enemy uh, they're getting lucky, is what it is. No, faith, faith at its, at its most pure cannot be detached from humility because faith is an absolute dependence on God. Faith is trust. It is as, it is as close to a synonym as you can get. Trust, faith, if I, if I have faith in God, it means that I have completely entrusted my life to him and that I trust, I trust him. And that trust is not a possession. It, it, is, a, it is a relational dynamic. Faith is all about relationship. And as a human being, you're gonna believe something. You really are. Like there's, there's no human being that has no faith. We believe something. We believe in something we can't see, things we can't explain. There's a certain measure of faith that's just being alive uh, and a certain measure of trust. You say, well, I don't trust anyone. If you are behind the wheel of a car driving, you are trusting a lot. You're trusting that people follow the law. You trust that this road is going to not be messed up. You trust that this car is going to make it from point A to point B. You trust that the other drivers are not idiots. And then you see that they are because you're the only good driver on the road, right, men and women? Women, you just too. Like, you're the only good driver. Everybody else is just a terrible driver. Like, you're going to trust. And I just, I, I... I want to just live in such a way where I learn what it means to just totally live in a trustful abandonment to God. And so much of life and, and circumstances are, are always teaching me and making me realize the different areas of my life that I'm trying to control and I'm not trusting God in. And so if you're growing in faith, what that means is you're growing in your trust in God. And it's only from that posture of trusting God that you can work as his partner in life to see 
his kingdom come through you, to see, for you to become a connection point between heaven and earth, for you to walk out the fulfillment of his promises. You can't do that without trust. You can't do that without faith. And faith, that kind of trust, does produce a confidence. Arrogance, pride, that's having confidence in yourself, in your abilities, in your experience, in your knowledge, your wisdom, your understanding. And it's not that you're completely an idiot <laughs> or have no knowledge or no experience. Is It's that you have to recognize you are not very trustworthy. I am not very trustworthy. My knowledge has a lot of gaps in it. My understanding is, is it falls short in life. There's much of my life that I don't understand. There's, there's lots of wisdom I don't have. And so what then he says, don't throw away your confidence. Earlier in that chapter, in chapter 10, he talks about provoking one another to love and good works. And around that area, he says that we can believe that he that promised is able to fulfill it. And so if you're keeping that kind of together with the flow of this writer's thought, our confidence is in the character of God. Our confidence is not in pleasant circumstances because I don't know how long you've been alive, but you have lots of unpleasant circumstances in life, correct? No, it's just me? Okay. Um, my confidence is not in my ability. My confidence is not even in my own faith. What is the confidence that I cannot throw away? My confidence in the character of God. Because there's going to be, I, 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 for my own self, there's so many times and places that my knowledge, my wisdom, my experience, my understanding, my abilities, my strengths, they fall drastically short of what is necessary to live well. And so... I'm learning how like, self-confidence, it's not that great. It kind of messes me up a lot. But a confidence that I, I, I am called to, to, to get a grip on is not trying to control life. It's, it's, it's a grip on my confidence is in the character of God. Because everything else in the universe is subject to change. There is only one unchanging entity, and he is God. And so I cannot have confidence in the economy. Not because I enjoy bad economies, but because by nature they change. I cannot have confidence in my good circumstances or a steady paycheck. Not because I don't appreciate them or value them or desire them, but because at any moment any of that could change. I don't put confidence in political parties. They do not deserve your confidence. (laughs) There is nothing in this physical universe that you and I can be confident about. Even if we are incredibly talented or incredibly wealthy. And that's that's the problem, especially wealth, what it does to you. Is it, it gets your confidence in self. But... God's character is the only, the only thing worth, worth putting our confidence in. And he says that has a reward. Because when you are faced with challenges and trials, no one has ever faced a significant trial and went, oh yeah, that makes sense. We're good. I've, I've never had, I rarely have a good day where I go, oh, this all makes sense. This is good. Even good days, you're just like, this is, this is outrageous. I don't understand any of this. Just, you look at the news. I don't get this. this. This is all a circus. We should charge admission for this. So what is that that has a reward? It says you have need of endurance. You have need of endurance. Because life is going to come with significant challenges. They're not always trials, but that's going to happen. You're going you're gonna to face something you, you don't understand, something that hurts, 
something that's painful? And what is it working in you? Every one of these trials, every one of these challenges becomes an opportunity to work something that has a reward. Can I be confident in the character of God? Can I be confident in the character and promises of God even though I cannot make sense of anything in life? Can I be confident that God is good? And see, that's why you got to know your word because you, you, need, you need to get settled in his character and you won't be able to really discover it if you don't know this very well, if you don't at least pay close attention to Jesus. But what, when I'm faced, I guess in our particular situation with you know, my son facing life and death and, and terrible prognosis of brain damage. And I'm faced with uh, my dad is going into emergency surgery to save his life if it does that. What, what, what do you do? Like what options do you really have? Because those, those kinds of moments, and maybe not that extreme, there's other lower level circumstances and trials you'll go through. These become these clear messages. You are not in control. And there is almost nothing you can do. So what options? What options do you have? And the only one that has a reward is confidence in God's character. Not confidence in an outcome. You're not in control of that. Controlling outcomes causes a whole lot of stress in your life. Trying to control outcomes. You're not going to get very far in life if you're, if you're bound to control, addicted to controlling outcomes. There's literally nothing we can do. So what do you have left? Can I trust God? Will I trust God? Because your brain's going to try to play what-if games. I mean, how often, how often do you play those games? Our, our minds do that. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if? Yeah, what if? Shut up. Like, that's kind of how the internal conversation goes with me. Yeah, what if? Shut up, brain. You're an idiot. The only thing that has a reward in this life is confidence in God's character. And that's what all these opportunities are presenting us, challenging us with. Will I trust God? Have I totally put my trust in God? Because now now with all these things that are going on in my brain, I'm now becoming aware of all the ways I've tried to control things. Or all the ways that I've had this deception that I'm in control or that all life is good and things are comfortable and nothing bad can happen. All of a sudden, you get a painful wake-up call. Oh, there's a lot of your life that is not in your control, buddy. And so if, I'm, if my confidence is in God's character, then I don't have to control an outcome. I can't anyway. And I, and I just believe that over, as I taught a few weeks ago, over a long obedience, that there's a reward. And then he quotes from Habakkuk, which is an interesting, he says, yet a little while. How long? A little while. How long's a little while? It's longer than you think. He says, I will not delay. I will not delay. The coming one, he'll come. He'll come. If you read, the, it's interesting. The New, when the New Testament quotes the Old Testament, they take some liberties on their interpretation of what that's meaning. Because if you look at Habakkuk 2, he says, um, Habakkuk 2 is where he's quoting from. He says, uh, though it delay, it will not delay. Yet in just a little while, it will not delay, though it be delayed. Meaning, you're not in control. It's a little while. It's near. It's just, it's just not within your reach to control it. So yet a little while, yet a little while, we'll see God's character. How long? 
a little while. In a little while. It says, and the righteous one shall live by faith. Now Habakkuk 2.4 is where that's quoted from. That's quoted three times in the New Testament. Romans 1, Galatians 3, and then here, Hebrews 10. It says in Habakkuk 2, verse 4, it says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright within him, but the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Those who are in right standing and right relationship with God, how do they live by faith? Let's see if I can quote it off the top of my head in the Message Bible. Uh, Habakkuk 2.4, it says, Look at the proud. Um, look at the proud, bloated by self-importance, full of himself, but soul empty. But those who through loyal, steady, loyal and steady believing is fully alive, really alive. Loyal and steady believing. Sounds like a long obedience. Those who through the course of all the ups and downs in life have a steady and growing confidence, trust, faith in God's character, those people are actually living the kind of life God intends human beings to live. Loyal and the just shall live by faith. So this is what we're after. We're after a life of faith. Not just a possession of faith, but a life of faith. Faith is long obedience in the same direction. It doesn't mean having all the answers. It doesn't mean pretending until you get what you want. A lot of people treat faith that way. It's just sort of like putting on a happy face when inside you're like falling apart. That's not faith. That's being an idiot. Like that's just stupid. Don't do that. Don't be pretentious. No one's buying it, okay? Faith. And it says there in Hebrews 10, but the soul that draws back, the soul that shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Whoa. So uh, there are things that displease God. How about that? What is that? Okay, it's something to do with shrinking back. You need to know that having setbacks in life is not the same thing as shrinking back. You're going to face setbacks in life. You're you're going to have some good things happening, and then you're going to push the gas pedal in life, and you're going to pick up momentum, and good things are happening, and then a wall is going to hit you. Hopefully not kill you, but it'll hit you. It could be things like a medical condition, or it could just be things like a really messed up political system. (laughs) And that would be a setback. You desire, and you're praying for that promotion, and then your lazy coworker gets it instead of you. Okay, I was waiting for the, the laughs to see who, who, who's had that happen. It could be that bonus you were promised, and I'm hoping, and then it didn't happen. That raise you were guaranteed that it's no longer guaranteed. Those kinds of things act as setbacks. So, so is that what doesn't please God? No. Those who hit a setback and that their faith was solely dependent on good things happening for them and give up on the whole thing as soon as there's a setback, that's what displeases God. And then the writer, so pastoral, but we are not those who shrink back. No, we're not those who shrink back. It's not a, okay, like, so just, something like this didn't happen to my dad because, you know, there's sin in the camp. (laughs) Or that he must have done something really bad for this to happen. Or, oh, maybe he's not such a mighty man of faith because something like that happened. Shut up. Okay. Don't go there. 
it's a setback. You, you, you start piercing the darkness and see what comes against you. It's going to happen, y'all. I just don't, don't get surprised at stuff like this because I'm telling you, we are a church of influence. And we, God has like supernaturally hid us for us to get our, our strength and confidence in his character. And it wouldn't take much for God to just kind of open up some exposure and how much we have influence. And not just big, but just even in this city. Influence. And you do damage as a church to the kingdom of darkness, the whole church becomes a target. So don't get surprised and don't be afraid. Okay? So we're going to face setbacks. Avoiding them is going to be a wasted effort in your life. Now, pursuing them is just stupid. (laughs) But just trying to control everything to, to avoid setbacks and problems, you're wasting your effort. Stop it. Put that same effort into trusting God. Okay? So you're going to face that. So what, so what it is, is don't let your faith be so fragile that it's dependent on pleasant circumstances and good feelings. There, God, God wants us to work something so much deeper. Endurance. You have need of endurance. And so, though things like a heart attack is not God's will, you would never be able to convince me that God wills bad things to happen in people's life. He wills sicknesses or disease or, or things like that. He doesn't will that. Don't, you, don't even try to prove it to me. I will beat you in that debate, okay? <laughs> but somehow, in the course of fulfilling God's will, these kinds of things happen. So even though they are not God's will, he says you have, in, you have need of endurance so that when you have fulfilled the will of God, there's reward. That's when that's, so there is a way to fulfill God's will and be in the middle of circumstances that are not God's will. What is that? Confidence. Endurance. That sometimes getting microwaved miracles, though awesome when they happen, you can't get, you can't shrink back just because you prayed one time and it didn't have an instant manifestation. No, you need endurance. You need the kind of grit that says, I'm going to trust God and I cannot control these outcomes. I'm going to trust God and I'm going to keep laying hands on the sick. They will recover even if it doesn't happen instantaneously. And even if it means these, my own hands on my own body. It's going to happen. Amen. We're going to have endurance in this and we're going to fulfill the will of God. In the midst of setbacks. Because we're not going to shrink back. That's, exa- that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. I don't know if you've parented in such a way where you know they're going to not do what you want but do what you don't want to do. So you change your instructions so that they end up doing what you really want to do. Okay, God's not playing those kind of tricks with you. It might be okay as a parent occasionally to do that. What does the devil want you to do when he puts a setback in your life? He wants you to give up. You're no longer a threat to him if you give up. So at some point we got to go... I'm in on Jesus. I've got confidence in his character. And I'm just going to stick with him. What if it didn't work out? What if, I don't know. That's just, that's just like I, all I got is confidence that Jesus is just, he's good. And like in the, in the end, it'll be okay. Well, when's the end? At least the very end. That has reward. And so no matter what, no matter what circumstances you are in that are not God's will, you can fulfill God's will by just having confidence in Him. Trusting Him. Focusing in on Him. For you have need of endurance. 
so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. The fulfillment of his promise is on the other side of the setback. And if we shrink back, God's still faithful to his promises. We're just not receiving what is promised because we gave up. We shrunk back. Don't shrink back. And then the famous chapter, chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. By it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. There will be lots of people in the history of humanity that will be remembered for lots of things. But heaven and resurrection have a memory as well. And the kingdom of God will remember things and people different than human beings have remembered things and people. Usually if you can kill, so, so like, you know, someone who kills one person is a murderer. Someone who kills many people is a serial killer. But men who kill whole people groups, they're conquerors. And so most of your history is remembering people who've done a lot of killing. People who've achieved great things. Heaven might not remember them very well. For by faith, by it, faith, the people of old receive their commendation. Who does heaven recommend? People of faith. Trust. People who are trusting. People who are confident in God's character even when circumstances make us less than confident. People who don't shrink back even though we've been set back. That's the hall of fame in new creation will remember people who were confident in God's character despite their less than confident circumstances. Amplified Bible, verse 1, says, Now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. It is not hard to live by what you see. To let your internal world and emotions be controlled and dictated by what you see and what you feel. That's easy. Don't do, don't do the easy thing. Faith says that there is a deeper reality. There is something more real than what I can see and feel. And I consider that reality guaranteed by God's character. And I live as if that's true. It, it has a conviction. There is a conviction to faith that is not controlled by the circumstances, by what you see and by what you feel. It isn't that you don't have emotions about what you see and feel. We do. We're humans, okay? Emotions are not evil. They're not bad. Don't suppress them. They come back in painful ways. We've got to learn how to, well, there's a way. For another day, I'll explain that. And so that, that's, that's where you become, that's where, that's where faith people get a little weird and a little pretentious. Um. Their conviction lies in what they think things should be. And what they think the answer to God's promises should be. And then they just pretend their way into it. Okay, that's too vague. Let me get more specific. 
you know, if you, it, this is for, again, you know these people. You might be them. Don't tell me if you are. <laughs> you start experiencing uh, symptoms of like the cold or, or flu, yeah? And someone says like, how are you doing? I'm not sick. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. It's like, I'm really sorry. You're delusional. You are. <laughs> you can't be healed if you're not sick. You don't need healing then. So faith's not denial. Denial's just denial. It's, that's, that's being immature. Now, so, so we have to understand where our convictions lie. Our convictions lie in God's promises. Our convictions lie in God's character. And there is a reality that emanates from his character. Truth. And so truth is that we are healed. Reality in, in what we see and what we feel is that we might be sick or suffering some harm. Okay? We're not denying that there is some kind of sickness or harm we're experiencing. We just don't hold the conviction that that is ultimate reality. It might be present reality, but God's truth is ultimate reality and that we are healed. And so then people start playing the but what about game. What about all the people who believed in healing and died? They're with the Lord. And, and this is where, this is where like, I, I struggle, like the teacher in me wants to over-explain and it would be a long explanation, but trying to get a clear picture of the ultimate future in Christ, okay, in the new heavens and the new earth, in resurrection. And like there's lots of misunderstanding and there's lots of, of details that I feel are pretty important, but it take, just takes a long time to explain and most people don't have the endurance for that. So I'm just kind of stating it as reality and hope that it doesn't super confuse you. But at the end, the end, there is new beginning, okay? So at the end, in the beginning, there's a new beginning, new, there's an end, and then there's a new beginning. So there's new heavens and new earth where the present heaven and earth gets transformed into new heaven and new earth. So people that are so determined to go to heaven, you got to know that's not permanent. It's gonna get, that's going to get recreated too. And in the end, resurrection, no sin, no sickness, no disease, no tragedy, no pain, all that. You with me? That's ultimate reality. It's true. And the God who lives above time Time is a creation of God, okay? So space, time, matter, those are all creations. God is not contingent upon those things. He, can, he is above them and then can work in them, which is, am I getting too much philosophy? Okay, sorry. Uh, I'm going to speed this up, Jacob. Not everybody's interested in this kind of stuff. Okay, so the God who is above time already lives in that future, okay? He's already there. And it doesn't mean that he's not here in this present time. He's just above time. And so he can enter wherever part of time, including past, that he desires. You with me? Okay. So he's already in that future. So when I've placed my, char- my, my confidence in him, his character, he's already there where everything's fine. And I live in the present from the future. Okay. So you say, well, what if I die? Okay, well, here I'm already dead and been raised from the dead. On this side of that, right? So it's all fine there, correct? Well, then I'm going to go down swinging. So if I die, fine, I'll be raised from the dead. And so I want to make sure I've gone down swinging because I'm not going to shrink back and then compromise my reward on the other side. At that point in the future, every single one of God's promises really have fully come to pass. So I just live in the present knowing that that's, that's going to happen. And in God, it's already happened, even though for me, it's out in the future. 
I think I might have pushed it there. Are you with me on that one? Okay. I told you, I don't have an outline here, so usually when I go like that, I got to do it very slowly and progressively and kind of build up the logic. I'm just telling you. So, (laughs) in the midst of trials, what do I see? I see a trial. I see a setback. But faith holds as conviction things that cannot be seen. God's ultimate faithfulness and fulfillment of his promises and his character that's unshakable. So now I hold in the present those kinds of convictions and I have a confidence. I don't have an arrogance. I don't have a swagger. I'm not pretentious. I'm not faking it. I just hold that conviction more real than my present circumstance. And that produces endurance. So that whatever the enemy's trying to set you back actually becomes the way you've exercised the muscles of endurance to push him back and move our lives towards God's fulfillment in his promises. And we believe that they will happen in this life, but if you, if you don't get it in this life, you're not controlling the outcome. You put that in God's hands, ultimately it will be fulfilled. And so, why, why are we so short-sighted that think everything has to happen in our lifetime or in this moment? So that if you're faced with a setback, if you're faced with a trial, if you're faced with a problem, you think all of God's promises has to happen immediately for you to have faith. No, like God is working on a scale much larger than we're capable of understanding. And so all we have in that moment is not trying to figure it out, not trying to control it, but by trusting him. And verse 6 of Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what, what would give God pleasure in the midst of circumstances that are not God's will? I trust him. I trust him. And that I don't let these setbacks make me shrink back. But we keep pushing forward, not because we're trying to control an outcome, but, be, but because I believe God's word to be true. I believe his promises to be true, and I will live in the present as if they are true. I have a conviction about their truth, and you're not going to sway me otherwise. Bad circumstances, the devil, whatever, it's not going to sway me otherwise. It might set me back, but I'm not going to be drawn back by that. To where now these setbacks, I'm like, enemy, you've overplayed your hand again. I don't know when you're going to get it, but until you do, I'm just going to keep winning. So, one last thing. So, one last piece. And, I, and I, I, no matter how much you, you understand this, there's always ways that, that this can deepen in your trust, trust in God. Isaiah 26.3. I committed to memory a long time ago. It's a great verse. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is fixed or stayed upon you, for he trusts in you. And then verse 4. Trust in the Lord forever. The Lord God is an everlasting rock. Very pleasant, right? Works perfect on a little magnet on your refrigerator. Sounds nice in your ears, right? Okay, great. Well, now you need to live it. So how do we live it? And there was a few weeks ago, <laughs> before this whole thing happened with my dad, that I was, I was struggling with a problem. And I was trying to think and pray I mean, I'm in prayer about it, but I'm trying to think, what's the right thing to do? How do we navigate that? How do, what, what conversation do I need to have? Who needs to know about this? And so I'm kind of like wrestling with this and kind of stressing over it. And a part of my prayer is I pray the word. Whether I feel like it or not, it doesn't matter to me. I need to pray the word because like I need cleansed up here. Got it? And so part of that, I, that part of my prayer, I pray Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, shall not want, praying through that. Psalm 91, um, you, uh, being under the shadow of his wings, and that I trust the Lord because he is a refuge for me. And then Isaiah 26, 3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed upon you. That's it. Like it was, it was right there, like right in my prayer, I'm quoting those verses, 
And then it's like, whose mind is fixed upon you? This is the problem is I have been focused on the problem and trying to solve the problem. And I should have had my attention on you. Like, Lord, why do you put up with me? I'm an idiot. (laughs) And so in that moment, I needed to renew my mind quickly. Okay, what is true about God's character in this situation? He's, you know, Jesus, you are the good shepherd and you lead us, you lead us into green pastures and by still waters. Holy Spirit, you lead and guide me into all truth. Father, you are the one who is a rock and a refuge for me. I can trust you. And so I just began quoting what I know to be true about God's character and my mind being fixed upon him, not trying to solve my problem and certainly not trying to control the outcome of the problem. And so then from there, now my mind is fixed upon him. Now, it simply is this. What is the next right step to take? I don't have 15 steps. I don't know how to navigate this setback. I'm blind. But I have a shepherd who's holding my hand and said, take this step here. Then take that step here. And it's, it's humble pie realizing you can't think very far out and you're pretty stupid. But I can trust God. I can trust that the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding me into all truth. He knows what the truth is when I don't know what it is. And so whatever that next right step is, I'm going to take that step. And then I'm going to trust and believe that when I take that step in faith and trusting you, he will illuminate the next step. Now, sometimes he has mercy on me and gives me like three steps. But that's not very often because me, I'm like, oh, thanks, God. You're done now. I've got at least three steps. I'll see you, I'll see you over there. Anybody else? Like, I'm, okay, we can just kind of mutual idiocy together. So, what are we going to do in a situation like this? What's, 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 what are my parents working through? What is the next right thing to do? What is the next step that we're going to take in faith? What is the next progression? We're not going to try to control God's outcome, the outcome that's in God's hands. Is my dad healed? Yes. Does he have a process between present reality and ultimate reality? Yes. I want, we all want that to be as short as possible, but we also can't control. You are incapable of healing anything, anyone, anytime. You are incapable. Healing is in God's hands. So what what do you do with the doctors? Whatever the next right thing is. And you don't let a setback make you shrink back. You're not in control. Stop it. But you do have a part to play. What is your part? Trust God. Get endurance. There is no guarantee that the days ahead are going to be that much better. We, in our modern world, have kind of distanced ourselves from the pain and suffering that a lot of the world is going through. And there's no guarantee. I hope things are great for us and for our state and for our country. And we need to participate in God's work in this world. But if we think we can control a whole national outcome, we are deceiving ourselves. There is no guarantee that the church is, in America is not going to be persecuted for our faith. And the little bit of verbal persecution that we suffer now, that's nothing. Go to Iran where you'll get your head chopped off. Go to China where you get imprisoned for being a, just, just simply a believer. We need endurance. We've gotten fat as a church. We've gotten lazy as a church. And we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get some endurance. And moments like these give us the opportunity to exercise that muscle of I'm gonna trust God. I don't have the answer, but I can trust God. I don't know exactly what's next, but I can trust God. I don't know what the outcome of this is gonna be, but I trust God. I, tr- I trust that His character is sure, His promises are sure, and that He hasn't forgotten. He hadn't forgotten me. He hadn't forgotten you. He hadn't forgotten us. He's with us. I don't have, so, so again, that's part of, like, well, where is he? Where is God? Shut up, okay? Do we really think that our feelings get to dictate 
reality? Like, you don't feel God is near? You and everybody else. Do you hold it as a conviction that is true? That he is, will never leave you or forsake you? That's, your, that's, that's the challenge that's in front of you. Can I trust that God is with me right now when I don't feel like it? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what would please God when you don't feel like he's near? Trust that he is. That's that, that, God gets pleased with that. And so we are a church of faith. We're not pretentious. We're not weird. Well, some of us might be, but not, not, not trying to pretend our way into figuring this out. We just hold certain convictions. Those convictions are that God is good. My circumstances hasn't changed that. My problems haven't changed God's goodness. I believe that his promises are sure. They're just not up to me to bring about. I just work with God on each step of the journey. And when things happen in my life that set me back, we're, we're a church that wants to help strengthen you to not draw back. We're gonna, life group launches in two weeks. And through somewhere through the month of February, I don't know, I haven't mapped out my series yet. It was kind of a surprise that I'm going to be speaking on the weekends <laughs> for the month of February. That happened somewhat recently. Um, but I, want, but I, I eventually, in, somewhere in the month of February, I want to talk about what it means that we fight together. Like, we got to be together because when you get set back, you can't, if you, um, one of Pastor Lee's favorite uh, the banana that gets separated from the bunch is the first to get peeled. Like, we are better together, y'all. And yes, 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 like, there are people you, who you don't really like. There are people who are weird to you. Guess what? There's people who you are weird to. And, and, and learning to be in life together, that's, uh, read your New Testament, y'all. Like, read the book of Acts. And tell me where it says it's okay for you and Jesus to have your own thing going. No, it was just an assumption. Like, what the automatic thing that happened is you follow Jesus, you belong to the church. I have a new family. And in that specific case, your New Testament, your family ostracized you. Oh, you're a Christian. Well, you're not in our family anymore. So what do you have? The church family. And we're having to relearn that as Americans that think like we can do all this by ourselves. You can't. And when you have setbacks, you need people who come alongside you who says, I'm here for you. I'm here through the, the highs and lows of the emotions. I'm here through all the unanswerable questions. I love you through the middle of it. And we can stand with you and see God's promises. We can start speaking to mountains together and see them move. Not try to control an outcome, but speak God's word and see his will done. I'm here to help you when you feel like shrinking back. I'm here to grab you by the collar and rip you back. And not let you shrink back just because you had a setback. You can't do that. The, the enemy will destroy you when you're by yourself. I'm just going to trust that all this made sense. Okay. Will you, will you stand with me? I might ask them not even to release the audio of this so that if it's confusing, you, you, no one will know but you. <clears throat> I do believe. I believe we're entering into a different season. A season where the people of God need endurance. Where the people of God need grit. And our times personally and corporately, where we've gotten a bit fat and lazy, gotten a little too cozy and comfortable, that now setbacks are an opportunity to see, nope, we have endurance. We got grit to see God's will done, to not just verbalize your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but our entire life is aligned to be the touching point of heaven and earth. And you can't do that 
when you're selfish, prideful, arrogant, lazy. You can't, you, you can't do it. So this is an opportunity. And it just, it, it means something to me when our senior pastor is being attacked like he is from the enemy. It says we've, we've, we've touched enemy ground somewhere. So I'm not going to draw back. It just means that we buckle down and fight harder. Father, we are totally and completely in your hands. Forgive us for our arrogance trying to control things. And so we are not those who shrink back, but through endurance and perseverance, experience transformation. And so we we, folk, we fix our attention and our eyes completely on you, on your character, on your word, on your truth. And only, only when our attention is fixed upon you can we walk in perfect peace. We don't have answers to our problems. We don't have solutions to the complexities of our world but we can trust you. And Holy Spirit, you lead and guide us into all truth. And so we just simply yield to your leadership, Holy Spirit. We don't know the way forward, but we can trust you. And so we just simply yield our lives before you and trust that we will take each step by faith and that you lead and guide us with each step. We don't sit passively or lazily and make you do everything. No, you, we trust your character, but we also have a part to play. And in that trust, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by feeling. And in the midst of trials, in the midst of the confusion of our world, and even in this particular circumstance that we're going through, we trust you are good, your promises are true, And we put our whole trust in you. And so we thank you for the healing of our pastor. We thank you that you are at work. You're at work in his body. You're at work in his mind. You're at work in the hospital. That we, as a family, we are in enemy territory. And so we are going to do damage to the stronghold of darkness while we are there. And Lord, we just believe that the enemy is going to pay. That, that you are still on the throne and that we can trust you and be the touching point of heaven and earth. And so what, what has been a setback does not make us draw back, but we push forward. We, we, with endurance, with grit, with perseverance, lay hold of your promises and walk by faith. And our faith is not in an outcome, it is in your character. May we, you, your promise was that you lead your people in triumphal procession and spread through us the fragrance of the life of the heavens. And so may we, in the midst of a battle, walk in your triumph. In the midst of warfare, may we be people of victory who spread the fragrance of heaven in the midst of a country of death. And may we as a church step into your will in a greater dimension. May we step into, by faith, a greater dimension of being a touching point of heaven and earth. And so we pray your kingdom come and your will be done. Your government come and your politics be done. Your rule and your reign come And your plans and your purposes be fulfilled. We pray your desires, your pleasures come. And your passions be fulfilled in and through us. In and through our bodies, 
in and through our relationships, our families, our marriages, our friendships, our workplaces. May we be the touching point of heaven and earth and spread the fragrance of life while the world is in the midst of the stench of death. May we be people of healing in the midst of disease. May we be people of health and wholeness in the midst of brokenness. May we be people of light in the midst of darkness. And that the light we shine is simply you, your character transforming us into your image. And so we we are thankful. Our hearts are always postured in gratitude for your goodness and your grace. There's nothing we could do to deserve or earn it, but we can receive it by faith. And so we are thankful, thankful for your goodness, thankful for your power and your greatness, thankful for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And may we go through trials being purified that our faith becomes a more precious gold. Instead of destroyed, may we be purified. So we thank you, Lord Jesus. You are King and you are Lord. And we yield to you and submit to you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.